0: your presentation what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the untitled movie podcast i am one of your hosts matt rorbeck alongside he's allergic to tomatoes but he is tomato meter approved eric marchin
1: matt it is the eve of tiffmas
0: tiffmas eve how you doing how you feeling
1: i'm tired i'm a little burnt out we're just getting out already already you know (laughs) yeah transparency uh my yeah. grandfather fell and uh, i was on the way over there um to drop off some uh groceries and uh it was a bit of a, a stressful ordeal he's yeah. fine um
0: it's good to hear good but to hear.
1: at the same time i also didn't total but uh wrecked the steering wheel of the car so that is being serviced today
0: um because <laughs> how did you do well, that
1: it, so I had to make a left-hand turn um, at yeah. the intersection that's close to the closest to my grandparents' yeah. apartment, and yeah. when my mom called via Bluetooth and and I picked yeah. up and she was she told me he fell. I went into like survival mode, sure. right, where like sure, I wanted to sure, get there sure. as soon as possible. So I just totally turned the wheel, and I, it was almost like you know that flight or fight kind of feeling.
0: Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm glad he's he's doing okay. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine now. Yeah. But it
1: was just right. it was just a kind of uh, stressful weekend overall. Yeah, I've been there.
0: Yeah. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Um well, hopefully everything's good there and we can kind of this is our big Tiff preview show. Usually Eric and I say that we're tired on ep- I'm tired too, dude. After a long weekend, you think it would be kind of uh, you know, rested right before the festival. And I did lie in bed and do nothing but watch Succession uh, and Rick and Morty yesterday, but Um, I'm already like seven episodes deep in succession and I started it like a day ago. Um, but yeah, this is our big TIFF preview show. So, um, Eric and I will be kind of going over, you know, what we're excited about, uh, the festival, a couple movies we've already seen, which will have full, you know, capsule 10, 15-minute reviews dropping tomorrow uh, for both T10 and Memoria, so we can talk a little bit about those. We're allowed to talk about them, and we'll kind of give you guys a lay of the land of like what we think we're going to be covering, um, kind of what we hope to get. Like Right now, we still haven't even redeemed our... Some movies are only screening in person, so we still got to redeem tickets for certain movies like Dune and Last Night in Soho and Belfast, like movies that aren't screening digitally that we do want to cover but we're not entirely sure because it's a it's an interesting year again Eric but it sure is um right. uh we'll see if we'll be able to cover them but there are a lot of movies that we're pumped for it's usually this Tuesday right before the festival we're in Toronto picking up our badges and kind of getting prepped for everything and there's a little kind of excitement in the city I don't know if that's happening right now but um I, I'm excited nonetheless how are you feeling
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it hasn't completely sunk in yet, but at the same time, you know having you know gotten ready with the with the app and logging into that and and in you know there's been talk online about you know access to certain films or lack thereof um which
0: we had a problem with being international press for south by southwest
1: yeah where this time around you know we're a little bit luckier in the sense that we're in toronto or in ontario the greater toronto you know gta so we have access to you know films that maybe somebody in the u.s or you know somewhere else in the world might not and it you know might be a little bit more disappointing considering you know if it's somebody's first time covering the festival and thinking okay well i can watch this you know digitally at home from my home Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah, I I mean, I I totally get it. And um, uh, I have seen some of that talk online, too. And it'll be interesting to see how kind of Tiff handles that. And I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, uh, I, I think our problem with South by Southwest was a communication thing. And maybe that's happening here as well but um i think you know they were pretty upfront when the schedule came out even though that might be too late for some people of like planning to come here if they knew they had to see a lot of stuff in person or had to be in the country maybe that would have changed their plans but i know me and you never planned on going or we couldn't literally go to uh texas for south by southwest nor would we have wanted to um or new york at this point yeah and then that you know affected our our coverage uh of it and i think that's going to be the case for a lot of people for toronto but um yeah we're we are very lucky like again this is why we you know our biggest event of the year is tiff is because you know it's the thing we have gone to for the last 10, 15 years. And um, it's our biggest kind of time of the year. And again, this year will be a little bit different. Last year we did it completely digitally, um, which, you know, we hung out a lot together in my den and and watched movies. We might do a little bit of that this time too, but we both are accredited this year. And and because we're recording, you know, this and doing the video version on YouTube and, and, and stuff like that, where all of our coverage will be both on YouTube and podcast services on the Untitled Movie Reviews channel, uh, so if you're watching on YouTube, you're in the right place. All of it will be in a playlist called TIFF21. Um, it'll all be in our your feed there. And then if you want to listen on podcast services, go subscribe to Untitled Movie Reviews. All of our reviews will be over there. Um, but yeah, because we're doing it digitally and recording, I think it's just easy. We're going to try to see as much at home as possible. And then um, there are a few films that we will go into the city for, and I'm comfortable doing that because Tiff did come out and say that, you know, to go see a screening, a public one, you either have to be double vaccinated or you have to show proof of a negative COVID test within, I believe, 48 hours. Yeah. of the screenings. So, um, I feel pretty comfortable if we're going to some public stuff and I I do kind of want to go to a public screening because I, I, I missed that last year. Like it was kind of fun to see the TIFF ads on my TV before each movie. And we kind of giggled at that. Um, but I did miss going to princess of Wales or even Lightbox or, or something like that. Um, I, didn't necessarily miss, like, you know, Scotiabank and, and you know, all the, all the P&I screenings there. But I did, like, if I had a choice, I'm like, yeah, my TV and my, you know, Dolby Atmos soundbar is pretty good at home. I'm like, I could watch a lot of this stuff on on the digital side of things but you know Scotiabank IMAX and even Scotiabank 1 and th- 1 2 and 3 are decent cinemas as well so um yeah I'm excited man like I uh, I you know like any ticket redemption day when you you aren't sure which movies you're getting but you really want to get a few of them you're a little kind of like man I hope this all works out and you know knock on wood it usually does but um if not it's okay like I again um I'm just so grateful we get to cover this festival in general so and and again I don't expect anything and I don't feel entitled to anything so you know if I don't get something that's okay we'll cover it when it comes out and I'm just happy to kind of do this with you like we do every year and uh, I I hope next year it will get back to quote unquote normal but I know we said that kind of last year as well but um this year feels like a step in the right direction it's just uh i'm interested to also see you know the aftermath of you know telluride and and venice and and stuff like that too because those were big in-person events uh people had to get tested and stuff like that as well but just making sure like you know there was a little bit of a premature article saying like telluride was a huge success in the in the age of you know, COVID or whatever like that. But I think it's maybe a little bit too early to uh, to say that. But um, yeah, I, I, I it feels different, obviously, because we're at home on, on this Tuesday where we normally would have been in the city kind of starting to, you know, get things ready. And even for pre-screenings this year, a little inside baseball, but there wasn't nearly as many as usual, even though pre-screenings did uh, or in-person screenings did kind of start back up
1: yeah and we were really lucky to see a couple films that um you know garnered some really interesting discussions and and i uh, can't wait to you know share that with 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 more people and and see what other i mean obviously both t10 and and memoria played at can which is another festival you know that went in person this year in july and mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking even you know with with Sundance next year, how that is going to be adopting the hybrid platform again, but maybe they'll tweak that a little bit, or they already have where like certain films will play in person first before.
0: Uh, yeah, I think they're doing like uh, four or five days in first in person first and then doing the digital which i like that that i think that makes sense and and i think they probably have a little bit of an easier time because maybe a lot of their films you know it's an independent film festival or it's supposed to be but um like i think a lot of the trouble you get into is when movies have big distributors and stuff like that and that's when they kind of you know get cold feet with putting it on a digital platform and things like that so um yeah it'll be interesting man but yeah you you mentioned it already we did see memoria and t10 and you know we'll save our full thoughts you guys tomorrow on september 8th you guys will be able to check out the reviews for both of those eric and i had great conversations on both i think we both really liked both movies like to uh different degrees but um the more i sit on both movies the more i really like both movies and i feel like uh Uh, There'll be two of the more unique experiences you have at the festival this year and just in cinemas this year. So, um, yeah, like if we're going to put together basically what we're excited for, like those two movies obviously aren't going to be for everyone. But if you want something completely and utterly unique, I think both of those films kind of hit that um, hit that. Um, and that's the benefit to, of a film yeah. festival, right? Like that's yeah. like
1: to open your, you know, your experiences and and broaden your horizons. It's that's why festivals in general are a great place to see movies that maybe you would otherwise not be, you know, interested in to you know venture if your theater is open into a multiplex, even in the before
0: time or it might not even play near you, right? right? Like, yeah, uh, I think that's yeah, I, I would say TIFF is that place where you know my palette kind of expanded a little bit right because like you know i've always been a populist like hollywood you know popcorn movie kind of you know guy and then which is nothing wrong with that by the way no i don't think there is either but like i feel like you know then you just become end up becoming loving movies and then you start to go okay i want to see some awards stuff which is you're dipping your toe into that kind of area and then you know something like tiff obviously has that that stuff that is populist, but also awards Beatty kind of stuff. But then it also has art house stuff and it has a little bit of everything. So I, I agree with Eric completely. Like, And, and that's the thing about the digital version that, you know, I love is the accessibility of it. Right. And I hope that, you know, we, we said this last year and we said it throughout talking about tip this year. Like I do hope the digital aspect continues. It's just, um, unfortunately like rights, are so complicated sometimes, which is why things will only be available in one region and not the other. And if you're not from Canada or if it's a U.S. film festival and you're outside, then a lot of the movies might not be available to you. And like, that's the bummer about, I guess the digital age of things is like, you might have a Canadian distributor that wants to show it, but then the American distributor doesn't want it available to Americans or, or whatever. But um, or you might request the screener link for a Canadian film through an
1: American uh, PR company, and they can't give it to you because, yeah. they, for whatever
0: reason, again, very niche thing. Yeah. But, uh, but even on like the digital platforms and stuff, there are some Canadian films that like aren't available to Canadians, which I think is interesting. Like even on the our our digital side of things, but so there is some obviously some cons to it. But I do love that you know someone who's always wanted to experience TIFF. Can experience it from their couch even if they live in Vancouver or or you know wherever um yeah if there's uh, one Regina. ninja baby
1: you know in in that grouping and and obviously that was the film that we both enjoyed quite a bit from South by Southwest and we're right when well, we
0: only could see a handful of them. yeah
1: and we're able to sort of you know find something within that uh that debacle and 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 praise I mean you know that's those are the films that you're always looking to discover and going back to the film festival experience and highlighting something that may be off the beaten path or just something that you weren't necessarily, you know, uh, thinking of putting on, you know, a best of list or, you know, most anticipated list. And it's one of those – that's why I love a festival like TIFF and and like Sundance and and festivals in general is that they – expose you to world cinema and you get to learn more about what's being made and who's making it and different styles and you're more appreciative of both the good and the bad but also get to learn different languages within the cinematic realm which is always um you know more enlightening
0: and then you get to see stuff before people and brag to them right yeah yeah be
1: the first (laughs) I mean that is sort
0: of part of it is
1: because like you look at how Telluride has been going this year and, and even in previous years, not just telluride but but you know with can or sundance it's it benefits the bigger outlets to be the first to not only you know christen uh the film with their criticism but also um. You know be the the first to do an interview with somebody and get that you know that that fresh oh totally, anecdotal yeah. um point of view before the actor or the director or the writer or, you know the cinematographer has done the same interview you know thirty times already, so you know being the first is is when they're still excited about it. talking about exactly it. Yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs>
0: no um yeah that obviously is a huge part which is why tickets for dune are going for 900 dollars on resale or whatever right which is like well they're asking for 900 dollars. Right. i don't know if they're selling for that much but um which in
1: retrospect is ridiculous because again you look at you last year when
0: later.
1: was you know tickets went off sale and they because
0: w- it was one of the only in-person screens, yeah and right? they
1: ended up you know scalpers were selling them on ebay for like Five or six hundred dollars, and nobody. I don't know if anyone paid. No, 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 no. no, But the 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 asking price was was you know up in the hundreds of dollars, and yeah, that's what I saw for
0: Dune at (laughs) Cinesphere, and nobody talks about that. Yes,
1: Dune will be probably better remembered than Almanite, but it's just funny to think like.
0: But still, you can wait four weeks and go see it for twenty dollars, or if you live in the U.S
1: it'll yeah. be available on HBO max if you choose to watch it that way and stream it.
0: So it's a little silly. Like I, yeah. I, again, I, I want to see Dune so badly. I hope we get a ticket for it in IMAX during the festival, uh, last night in Soho. I absolutely. Hope we get to see it. I can't wait to see it. Uh, the secret Soderbergh. Um, want to see what the hell <laughs> I just that like is. that title. Um, I
1: think that should be the title of the film.
0: Um, which do you, like you were? We were talking a little bit before this, and we said we don't think it's going to be Kimmy. Um, is it Kimmy? Kimmy? I think it's Kimmy. Um, Wait, no, it's uh, which Zoe is Kravitz. his? Yeah, which is his COVID set thriller, right? Um, I think it's and, more of
1: like a, a tech thriller where the character, but it's set in COVID. Yeah, where the character is like a agoraphobic I, I believe. Yeah,
0: which is why it's set during yeah. covid and you know that added thing to being agoraphobic um but you were saying you might think it might be like a re-edit of one of his old movies or yeah, something Yeah, well,
1: well Soderbergh has been talking it says a
0: brand new project right. i don't know well, if it's at a brand new movie. wording
1: is always important especially when it comes to festivals or invites or press releases um, but Soderbergh has been talking a lot about releasing a box set of some of his earlier films um specifically something like Kafka which he wasn't happy with the theatrical release of that film and talking about having done a re-edit of the movie um that is more you know in line with what he originally visioned the the film that starred uh, Jeremy irons um that, which was sort of his follow-up after sex lies and videotape and he was even talking about releasing it as, like, a box set with a few other of his other movies in this kind of, like, limited edition Blu-ray collection that would be sold on his website where he also sells uh, liquor and things like that. So I could almost yeah. see him pulling a fast one on, you know, like, patrons. Because he's done and, other
0: stuff with, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. He pissed off
1: – I think it was Paul Schrader <laughs> when – Uh, dying of the light uh, was coming out and the the that movie was taken away from Paul Schrader but Steven Soderbergh saw the cut that that was released and then Soderbergh reportedly contacted Schrader and said I can fix this for you and then Schrader (laughs) doesn't didn't talk to him ever
0: again (laughs) right sure (laughs) and he talked about doing that with
1: her as well like he he, he offered Spike Jones to do an edit of her so God bless him.
0: Um, It does say (laughs) surprise screening of new Steven Soderbergh film. So And shout out to his uh, profile photo on Tiff for his like, he just has long hair and looks ridiculous. Yeah, Um, yeah, I I have no idea. I have literally no idea. Like Kimmy was the obvious like, oh, well, that's the movie he's already shot and completed and hasn't come out yet. It's Warner Brothers, HBO Max thing again where like, you know, but why wouldn't you just say that if everyone knows that that's – a movie that he's already completed, then it seems kind of obvious. So I'm kind of with, with you that it could be either something like that or completely at a left field, like he just shot another movie on a fucking iPhone. Yeah, in between and takes like we didn't, of uh, yeah. No
1: Sudden Move. And somebody, and I can't remember who it was, and I apologize for not remembering, but somebody on Twitter made a really good joke about like Steven Soderbergh hasn't seen his family in five years.
0: <laughs> yeah, retired. And then like, uh, Steven, retired means you stay at home. Yeah, not, like, he's the most active. Active retiree, I think, ever. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, So I have no idea what that's going to be, but I do want to try to get a ticket uh, to that. Um, I
1: guarantee if it is Kafka, a re edited version of Kafka, I'm just going to laugh out loud.
0: I don't know. Can you say new Steven Soderbergh film? Yes, you can. Cause if, it, if it's a reedit,
1: like, that's his version of it. You can get away new, with something like that. Cause I it guess. is a new yeah. film because it is, I mean, Zack version. Snyder's
0: justice league was a exactly. new film, right? Yep. So, uh, yeah. Um, Belfast, the Kenneth Branham movie. Um, these are in-person screenings that we're pumped for because like, um, we, we, today is it's top of mind. Cause I keep saying we have to get our tickets, uh, today. So these are things that, and I think, them being in-person only shows you that it's like the hot ticket items at kind of the festival a little bit or just the studio didn't want uh, it available digitally. Wolf being a focus features film and that that's really a has strange a, very, one. Yeah. a very limited amount of screenings. There is a digital screening of it, uh, like a paid digital one um, or wait, or maybe they're just two in-person ones. I think but, they're only in-person. Um, I don't think it has yeah. any
1: digital or and it doesn't have any P&I screening.
0: Yeah. So then there's one where we're just like, I guess we're we'll try hot to get press? in person. Uh, yeah. Here I'm on the page now. Wolf. No, there is a digital oh, premiere is. screening, but it's premium. Okay. And but it's a p- public digital premiere on the seventeenth. So is like so bizarre. It is a little bizarre. How bizarre? Um how bizarre. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen, uh one night only opening night playing at basically every venue, but there is a digital uh public screening as well and a drive-in screening and four in-person screenings two of them being public and two of them being press um so just i guess weirdly yeah not available to press digitally but uh, available to public digitally so um we'll have to go in person uh, still not over clifford though no i know (laughs) i would have covered clifford like like dear evan hansen we're gonna cover too and i think neither of us like I think it'll be fun to talk about and watch and Maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. Like, again, we liked uh perks of being a wallflower. Um, yeah, quite a bit, I think. So like, maybe I hope it's just a bad trailer. That's why I'll, I'll go in with an open mind, even though, uh, we'll see. It's always better um, to
1: feel like you're wrong after watching a movie than being right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, what we ultimately want is to enjoy something or like something.
0: Yeah. I hope so, but it might be too distracting right. with that old man. <laughs> um, the Forgiven, A Hero, and Bergman Island uh, also uh, are the ones that Eric and I are going to go see in person. But um, those are just kind of like I, those were top of mind because we're trying to get tickets for those movies today. Eric, is there anything else? I mean, we talked about Memoria and T10. We suggest both of those movies, but not for everyone. Uh, you know, Memoria being my first uh, A pong movie, but. Um, I kind of weirdly dug it because there's nothing – no one's making movies like that, at least like from stuff I've seen that uh, I just weirdly – like it's this one of the slowest things I'll probably see this year, but I kind of really was mesmerized by it. And then t one of the wildest experiences uh, you'll have, and I think is a great Midnight Madness opener. And at Princess of Wales, it'll be different than the Ryerson, but I think it'll be a blast if there's still tickets available for that.
1: Yeah, with Memoria, there was one thing I forgot to mention in the review that I'll I'll say here, and I've been thinking about it more and more having been removed from it. And it, and it is a film that I think you continue to think about after, you know, long after you've watched it. And I'm yeah. still thinking about it. Same, um, yeah. The one aspect of the film that I completely forgot to mention that I'm kind of kicking myself um, is that you can tell a pitch upon with, you know, this isn't a spoiler with the sound is it's almost like he is doing his version of Edgar Allan Poe's the Raven you know like it it has it's not it's not gothic in any way but like the idea of something like a sound kind of driving you mad and and something that is you know present throughout you know your routine and 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 you know something that just doesn't isn't allowing you to rest and i think that that's yeah. something that is really haunting uh, we did talk about the meta way. nature yeah. of
0: that during the movie but in terms too, of his influences i wouldn't yeah. be
1: surprised if he took some from edgar Allan poe you know and in, in the simpsons I feel that. episode specifically treehouse of horrors
0: Love that, yeah. That's where I go for the Raven, yeah. Or, or, um, With James Earl Jones doing the, uh, Never the voiceover, more. it's great. It's really, really good. Uh, anything else on top of mind for like stuff you're really pumped for? You want to make sure we don't miss, or for the people to, not to miss? You know,
1: I. I- in in years past, I would definitely have about like five or six films that I would you know be throwing up there and saying like oh this is exciting this is exciting or I'm I'm looking forward to this because of this filmmaker or what have you. Uh, I, this year and and last year, I just want to go with you. Do the you feel flow.
0: underprepared or is it just I, I don't feel necessarily underprepared, but I'm kind of with you where because it feels a little. You know, it's this hybrid fest where, I, yeah, I think daily we're gonna pick what we want to see, other than these in person ones, yeah. right? Which is why I listed, why I listed all the in person ones, because those are the ones where we have to s- stick to a schedule depending on what movies we get. Where everything else digitally, we'll just look at the five or six movies that are available that day, and we'll probably go, okay, let's let's watch these three or these four or whatever, or probably two or three right. <laughs> for being honest, but like, um, I mean, but yeah, I kind of excited for, for, for Jane Campion's, the power of the dog. Yep. And which I got a good reaction, uh, I think for the most part out of, uh was it Telluride yeah. that it played? And then
1: yeah. even, and, and also Venice um, and then even stuff like, you know, drive my car, which, you know, just got picked up by Janice films and uh, played it oh, yeah. can like there, there's stuff like that, that I am excited about, but I think, to your point you know going with the flow and just kind of taking it day by day uh has kind of been the new mantra in the last two years now with the pandemic and it's just kind of like again i just don't want to stress out about it and and don't no worry i'm not about either. things like, that are necessarily gonna out try of to have control. Control. fun and,
0: yeah and have fun and watch stuff and and talk movies and um i'm scrolling through i'll, I'll list off some other stuff um I did really like Rob Savage's host, which I saw earlier this oh, year. Dash so I'm kind of yeah. curious. Yeah. He has dash cam and midnight madness at this festival. So um, even though with the um, motion sickness warning, I'm a little worried because I do get uh, motion sick, uh, but uh, I'm going to give it a watch. I, I got to give it a shot. Cause I, I actually thought host was very creative and, and very effective. Um, so on the midnight madness side of things, you mentioned drive my car. If the three hour thing kind of scor- scares me away, but that's well, one the of short story hours, is right?
1: uh, the, the author of the short story is the
0: same author who um, wrote Burning. So, oh, cool, yeah, I'm definitely done, uh, down with that. Uh, Earwig had a really interesting premise, <laughs> which is playing platform uh, ice for cubes for are... teeth, yeah. So, uh, a young girl with ice cubes for teeth begins a mysterious journey, and director Lucille. Uh, Hadjelajewicz's hallucinatory, Haunting, and Beautiful film. So uh, I'm definitely down for that. And that's going to that be a part of weird. the platform section. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely down for that. I'm going to block your face, Eric, so I don't have to keep looking way over on my far end of my screen at stuff. Um, some stuff we saw at Sundance actually that we can suggest, uh, and talk about as well. Flea and Jockey are playing the festival. I think both, um, are worth seeing Flea. Uh, I think Eric, one of your favorite films of the year, you really loved it. Yeah. I mean, two Um, of the
1: best movies of the year are, are animated films with both Flea and, uh, the Mitchells versus the machines. And, I um, I'll definitely watch flea again, probably closer to its release date or, um, you know, during the award season. Um, but it would be very interesting to see how far this movie can go. And, and again, awards really don't matter, but
0: some people hit, have it in the top 10 right now. Yeah. I mean, remember, we always talked about what's going to be that first documentary that, you know, makes it into best picture, but
1: it could also make it into. So if it, if it does best, best picture, picture, best animated, animated,
0: best documentary.
1: Yeah. And best uh, international film.
0: Oh, wow. That would be interesting yeah. because I don't think that that has clearly never has happened. never happened. No. <laughs> so imagine you get best animated, best documentary, best picture, best international film. That would be really, really cool. Yeah. And even if it doesn't win any of those, like I feel like, you know, it actually probably has a pretty good shot of winning best international uh, feature. But um, I mean,
1: it'll be, it'll finally be a film nominated for if it gets nominated for an oscar that has uh jean-claude van damme's blood sport poster uh, yeah. animated in the film so that's jean-claude which, van damme getting like close to awards eric and i did a watch
0: along of that with the kind of funny dudes which is snowbike mike and nick scarpino we did that i think it's still up on twitch somewhere if you wanted to sync that up yeah and but, then jockey um, i
1: mean the thing that a lot of people will sort of take away from that is clifton collins Jr. and and, mm-hmm. and even molly parker's performances yeah. and also you know the the sort of the the way that it's shot in the magic hour lighting um yeah which i think that's pretty good a little bit that novelty is starting to wear off a little bit on on me but like at the same time it just it kind of feels like the whole movie didn't need to be shot either at dusk or dawn like it could like you could have shot during the day a couple scenes but it is still very beautiful looking
0: totally yeah i totally agree with that um Nevis is very excited for I'm Your Man because it has her boy Dan Stevens in it, and he speaks German. As a, He's as a German a... robot. <laughs> German robot. Uh, I think, I think so we're going to say the
1: um, there's, a, there's a film that takes place on an island or near Croatia. I can't remember the name of the movie. Oh, um, I'll have to watch that. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, Marisha or Marasha or something like that.
0: I'll try to find it. I'm almost on the M's yeah. here. So um, Alanis Morissette Oh, Jagged. You, yeah. Jagged. I'm intrigued by that. Um, Marita, I'm just scrolling through everything. Yeah, I'm gonna to try to find it. Listening to Kenny G. Um, I don't know if I'll watch. That, I like the
1: but... I like the director of that Penny
0: Lane. She's oh, do you? Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm down. I just I, I'm not. I'm not. I I know Kenny G. I don't know if I need to watch a documentary on him. But like, How do you know the real Kenny um, G? <laughs> um, I'm gonna to try to find this movie that you said takes place near Croatia, or in, there is one Croatian film that uh i bookmarked because i think that might be um, the one is it marina yeah i think so yeah i think so let me open this up um sorry everyone as i'm just trying to go through here oh yeah she was born in dubrovnik so she is croatian this director um so i'm assuming this does take place uh near or in croatia Um, And it won the Camera d'Or at Cannes this year. Psychological drama. I'm into it. Hypnotic sound design in the note from Dorota. Um, Let me just control F and just search for Croatia (laughs) and see if it pops up. Yeah. Yeah. uh the dynamic between a restless teenager and her oppressive father changes when a family friend arrives at their isolated croatian home yes we'll absolutely watch that with nevis so we'll cover that uh you got mothering sunday which has olivia coleman and colin firth from eva Husson. um we're going to be reviewing uh, a couple more reviews that will come out before the festival. Uh, we'll have night Raiders, a review for that. So we haven't watched it yet, but we will have a review for it. Uh, we're hoping a couple others, but I haven't checked my email to see if those screeners popped in yet. Well, Spencer, um, I think as well. We'll, we'll and Spencer. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, Spencer, we should, uh, but that is still during the festival, yes. right? But yeah. um. Uh, there's a new trailer for the guilty out <laughs> um which is playing the fest which is yes which is a remake right of it a is. film that people liked a couple it's years very ago good. right um yeah. which
1: almost again i'm a little nervous about because right one, anton fuqua is not yeah. the greatest director and it's like well why do you need to remake something that was already that good but then that again critical, i mean you can always yeah. say well you know let the right one in uh, didn't need a remake yeah. and Matt Reeves did a pretty solid job with let me in so
0: i totally agree with that um uh Celine Siamas' Petite Maman uh which you really loved uh i like her uh, in general por- i think like Portrait yeah. of a
1: Lady on Fire uh Girlhood um there she she is a great uh filmmaker and one of those directors that like continually like just <laughs> <clears throat> is it's consistently good like it's she hasn't had a, a, a false note as of yet
0: cool uh scarborough um i do really want to see because eric and i live fairly close to scarborough like still we're in those suburbs outside of toronto and um do want to see that uh oh nash edgerton has a short at the festival eric called shark didn't you meet him and talk to him? i once? sure
1: did and i talked to him about uh his feature length debut uh the square which his first short was also attached to when it played at the uh cumberland theater in toronto when it was still open uh nice. spider um and if you know that you know uh his style of filmmaking it's always leading to a very morbid punchline um okay so i'm sure that that short is going to be one short but also it's going to have something very dark and humorous uh, at the end uh, of the, of the short. So
0: mm-hmm. um, we'll be seeing the eyes of Tammy Faye at uh, some point in the next week. Michael Showalter's Walters uh, movie with uh, um, Jessica Chastain and uh, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield, the electrical life of Louis Wayne with Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, the forgiven with Jessica Chastain and Ray fines. We're going to try to go see, which I think I already mentioned. um the Guilty, which we just talked about. There was a new trailer that just dropped. I'm um, going to try to see that. The Humans, which is the A24, Stephen Yun, uh, Beanie Feldstein, and Richard Jenkins' film. Um, excited to check that out. I love Stephen Yun. I just feel like he, he's one of the best actors working today. That, star of Space you know, kinda... Jam, a new legacy. <laughs> it's also very, very true. Uh, Melanie Laurence, uh, The Mad Woman's Ball. Uh, I'm intrigued by... Um, even though I'm not really a period piece guy, but I like Melanie Laurent, um, uh, power of the dog, Eric mentioned excited to see that. Uh, we got, I know I'll be watching the starling with Chris O'Dowd and Melissa McCarthy. Cause Nevis is a big Chris O'Dowd person. Uh, Barry Levinson's the survivors, another one we're trying to kind of see before the fest and hopefully get a review out, but I'm not sure when the embargo and stuff is on that. Uh, I didn't realize story of my wife is almost three hours long, but I'm intrigued by it. <laughs> um, uh, I haven't seen the first two, but have you seen the f- first in the, uh, this is the third one, the worst person in the world. It's, I didn't realize it was part of a trilogy. Yes,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, Reprise is probably my favorite of, of the, the two, the, the two. Um, but I don't know if it's not, I don't know if it's necessarily like a direct, Sequel if it's more thematic in the storytelling yeah. because the idea is that you know Joachim Trier, who also directed uh, Thelma a, a few years ago, uh, the telekinesis supernatural um, thriller, sort of looks at people in in Oslo and in sort of you know European society on sort of characters that are protagonists but are also prickly individuals and sort of dealing with something whether it be you know, recovering from drug addiction and sort of trying to make their way back into society, or, um, you know, figuring out who they are in terms of their sexuality and reprise. And he's, he's, he is a really good director. And the, when he is at, you know, his peak, he's always sort of pushing the envelope in a way that is funny and also um, somewhat touching and relatable. Like, think of a more sort of, inviting inside lewin davis or something like that okay so okay um, yeah i i would like to see that
0: that's cool yeah and then that's like i kind of just went through but like uh, again eric and i will be playing it by ear uh our ticket selections this afternoon so we'll have a pretty good understanding of when we're seeing certain big movies or today if we're and, seeing them um, or if we're seeing them which knock on wood let's hope <laughs> Um, but other than that, yeah, man, I'm excited. I I really do want to go see some stuff in person. I do really miss that. Um, whether I, I want to try to make it out to princess of Wales, at least maybe once, or I know, I, I hope they're still doing what they did a couple years ago at Roy Thompson hall and having the nice stage with the proper masking and everything. And that's another thing we always talk about. Like if you guys are an avid listener of the show, Eric and I Consistently talk about the experience of going to the movies, and I went and saw Shang Chi again. And I knew this was no, coming. <laughs> no proper masking, man. Like in theater eleven, was right? such. In theater eleven at Landmark Cinemas in Whippy. But uh, anyway,s come I'll on, get to Landmark. that because come on, well, I'll get to that because we'll move on from our TIFF preview and go into other stuff. But um, at the festival, I mean, one of the other things of why going in person is so great is because I feel like it's the best way to see. A movie because like TIFF is very meticulous in their projection and sound and presentation at these venues like they they very much take it seriously and you know it's a big international film festival they want it to be the best possible way of seeing it and they've really improved in recent years at Roy Thompson Hall the stage there because it used to be very basic um, and like if you go see stuff at any of their cinemas um, minus Scotiabank a little bit <laughs> Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a great experience, proper masking. If you see Belfast, it'll actually be masked in four by three, as long as it's at one of their, uh, other venues like Lightbox, princes of Wales, Roy Thompson hall, um, and stuff like that. So, or um, even if you can just uh, see something
1: in the IMAX theater at Scotiabank that yeah. maybe you wouldn't or Cinesphere, watched. they're
0: showing, they're showing Memoria in, in the Cinesphere, right? Like that, that's another great point, Eric, that, yeah, you can see movies that will never play you know in an imax theater and you know there's a goofy like this movie was not formatted for the imax experience before like seeing memoria or or something like that but remember um,
1: seeing the lobster uh in in imax and
0: then darren aronofsky was there and then sat right in front of us right his head was basically like in my lap yeah and then which was weird speaking of him again
1: um the time that i because you saw mother before me but i saw mother also uh on the imax screen and you know this is a gritty oh scene.
0: you saw it in the imax screen because yeah. i saw it at the premiere right yeah, yeah. and
1: it was shot in 16 millimeters. so it was just amazing to watch something like
0: that blow <laughs> yeah to imax size yeah and that's kind of another fun part of the experience right so um I'm, I'm hoping we get some of that this year but we will see this afternoon and we'll let everyone know i'll try to put like a Again, Eric and I are going to be playing it by ear, but I'll try if we know which days certain reviews are going to come out. Like, I'll try to let people know beforehand over on our Letterbox HQ if you guys want to go follow over there. It's Untitled underscore Movies. Basically, one-stop shop for everything we'll be doing. So um, you can get all the video reviews, all the podcast links, everything over there. So If you post um, um,
1: Playing It by Ear on the Untitled Movie Podcast Twitter account, can you – Put a photo of Kyle McLaughlin holding up the ear in blue velvet.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, this is our strategy for the festival this year and just him holding the ear. Um, (laughs) so yeah, man, I'm pumped. I'm pumped, but we got a couple days until the festival, so um, we'll be trying to hopefully catch up with a few more pre screeners, but um, we'll see. Um, other than that, I know you had you said you had a you know. I'm very glad your grandpa's doing okay. Did you get up to anything else on the weekend or did you just kind of try I, to No, chill? I,
1: I did watch some stuff. Uh, um, I mean, I don't know if you'll get to it, but I hope you will because we can do a review for it. Um, uh, Kate, which I'll just – I don't think there's an embargo on it. Um, no, I saw some people post their review already. I'll just wait on that one. But I will mention since you 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 brought up Shang Chi, I I did catch up with uh, the Doctor Strange episode of What If?
0: Yeah, what did you what did what'd you think of it?
1: Um, you know what? It, I had the same problem that I think you mentioned while watching it, and that is the the crux of this story does not work because the relationship between Stephen Strange and Christine isn't yeah. one that you're really invested in emotionally speaking. It's yeah. interesting from the point of view of seeing Strange who whose hubris and ego get in the way of him doing the right thing and can ultimately sort of implode on himself or just explode all over the place. And you just think that like, okay, like I like that, but I don't think that sort of the the motivation for him is the loss of, you know quote unquote the love of his life where i never felt that christine was the love of his
0: life and i totally agree because i don't think i've talked about it on on the show i just talked to you when after i watched it before we went to a screening i got up at a ridiculous hour to watch it but um yeah i totally agree with you i thought visually the episode had some really cool moments and um i like the idea of steven strange being so self-centered still and so you know him losing christine almost wasn't you know about her it was about him right like he lost her it wasn't she lost her life yeah it was i lost her but for that to work i really think you still needed to believe in their love for one another right where i never bought that in the movie because you kind of already jump in once they've been broken up and you know and he's kind of a prick at the beginning of the movie and i mean he's a prick You know, he's kind of the Tony. It got a Tony Stark vibe to him, right? But right down to the the goatee, right? Yeah, and um, but there's something there where, like, even Tony and Pepper, which we talked about when we were uh, off air too, of like even that isn't super developed. But I believe that a bit more than well, because you've had more um, movies, more develop that relationship. But
1: ultimately, with a lot of these sort of romantic relationships within the mcu there it's almost a feeling of obligation because the characters are connected or tied within the pages of the comic books where
0: i think the katie and shung chi relationship is probably one of the better developed one and that's because it's like sort of platonic with only like hints at any romance stuff and that's not giving anything away yeah no
1: I, i agree with that and i like again you know there are relationships like you know peter parker and mj and and you know you think about like that like that's like a big one but overall i think i think
0: that one's pretty well developed and and pretty solid yeah but i
1: still don't think it's like a great romance in terms of like you know if if that character if one of those characters were to die or or something really horrible were to happen to them i don't necessarily feel emotionally invested in like oh that's a that's a that's a loss and that's why i also feel a little bit like why like amazing spider-man 2 ultimately kind of fails because that moment while it's it's the best directed sequence in the film with with her death it just never emotionally got to me even though the the two leads had obvious chemistry, chemistry. um yeah. it just kind of felt like okay this is a conceit based on you know these comic book characters getting together so you know maybe maybe eternals will have something or or maybe down the line they'll be able to figure you know like a great gemma
0: chan and kit harrington are supposed to be i thought like
1: it was a, i thought it was uh richard
0: madden oh maybe yeah no i thought it was Kid Harrington cuz he's the human character, right?
1: Yeah, he's playing Black Knight, I believe.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he has. Well, in the trailer they
1: have they always have uh Richard Madden and Gemma Chan together.
0: Yeah, cuz they're on the team, but I think Gemma Chan's in a relationship with the human who is Kid Harrington. I'm pretty sure.
1: Okay, I we'll have to wrong. we'll have to go to the uh the trailer for that one, but
0: I could be wrong. But yeah, overall but,
1: I thought this episode of What If I still think maybe the first episode is probably the weakest, but I, they're they're on par with just, like... I think the action in the Captain Carter episode is is a little bit more kind of fun overall, where, like... I agree. I, I like Doctor Strange, too. Like, I think he's a character that is enjoyable, and if you're a fan of horror movies and, and genre films specifically, I, I like, you're going to gravitate towards that character a little bit more. Like, it, it would be even fun to like recommend people that haven't seen it the 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 knockoff dr strange movie from the 90s that full moon released uh dr mordred with uh jeffrey combs uh where that film was supposed to be a dr strange movie but then at the last minute the rights you know were taken away so it's just (laughs) so they just kind of rewrote it slightly in terms of the script but um
0: I do like, um, and spoilers, more spoilers for the end of the What If episode. So if you don't want to hear, if you haven't watched it yet, maybe just mute this for, you know, a minute or 30 seconds. But like, I so three, two, one, I'm going into spoilers. Um, I do like the stuff with the Watcher at the end kind of actually interacting with Strange. Like, and kind of breaking that barrier. And you're starting to see, you know, that fucking... um, tentacle monster coming back again in this episode which is you know was also in episode one like there are some interesting things there that i'm like hmm like is this ultimately going to is the watcher going to be more involved as this goes on and things like that or is it just this episode because strange is the one that can kind of mess with the multiverse and stuff like that that you know, the watcher can engage with him or will engage with him, uh, because he's about to destroy one of the universes. And you know, I like the dark ending as well. I do too. But, and again, that's um, kind of
1: like the why like why that show is created and the basis of, you know, it being sort of inspired by Twilight <laughs> Zone and the Outer Limits, because there isn't always a happy ending, you know, to yeah. these stories.
0: So I think there was some stuff to like, but I agree with you that this was probably my least favorite episode out of them. Like I just, I wasn't invested in that relationship. So as he's trying to, you know, continuously save her and, you know, go down this, you know, and I'm I'm surprised that this isn't, you know, the evil Dr. Strange thing, isn't going to be part of multiverse of madness, or maybe he is, and maybe this is teasing it, right? Like it made me more excited for Spider-Man and for multiverse of madness than it did for this episode. So Um, We'll see. Again, this, this tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's episode is going to be Marvel Zombies, which um, uh, I'm totally down for. Um, Robert Kirkman wrote a lot of those comics, and I've heard that, um, you know, it's going to be, uh, this is the most based off of the actual Marvel Zombies comic, like the other ones are kind of more original kind of things, but... Um, I'm cool for a MCU zombie story. Like, I think it'll be fun. So um, I, again, each week you never know what to expect. And, and we've talked about this with an anthology series that it's going to be kind of hit or miss, right? Like not everything is going to completely be up your alley or something for you, but you know, I know people who love that episode and they really connected with it. And I think that's, what's interesting about, especially an anthology series is like whatever characters you vibe with more, whatever kinds of stories like it was a more romantic story and if you could buy into their relationship then maybe you would dig something like that i just i had a disconnect because um i just never bought it or i never was like oh yeah there he loves her so much and i'm like "Mm, i didn't really get that it would be more devastating if it was like wong got killed i think i would believe that more (laughs) that
1: like that friendship which i think is real um would be something where like Wong, you know, like having
0: shout out to Wong too for becoming like one of the well, Benedict like, Wong, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, for just being like one of the, he's showing up everywhere and um and he's great every time. Yeah, a, a uh, really
1: wonderful a character actor.
0: Clarification: How dare you question? my mcu knowledge cersei is dating kit harrington's dane whitman okay I thought, that they were, so. but
1: I thought in the trailers that you see uh richard madden and 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 uh gemma chan like together in shots like that are but maybe the they're MCU maybe
0: head. they had a relationship maybe there's gonna be a little game of thrones love triangle i don't know but um i was never questioning your, you? your
1: your authority <laughs> on the mcu you are uh a marvel uh uh king uh compared uh, yeah, to thank my uh humble uh pawn uh if yeah. you will but uh no i just thought like in the trailer that like
0: maybe they they've been alive for thousands of years maybe they had a little thing i don't know going they, they um, we're gonna need to
1: see other people we've been
0: seeing each other for thousands for of years um uh what else on my end i had a pretty chill weekend but it was busy but also chill um I got some new glasses. Everyone can see these. Well, if you're
1: watching it on YouTube, if you're doing that, yeah, I forgot. uh, Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) no one knows what I'm doing. I can describe them for audio listeners. They are Ray Bans. Um, They uh, have a little tortoise shell pattern i think is what you call them the the you know it's got a little design on them they're a little circular they're not as like my other ones were gold i'm still gonna wear both it just depends on what vibe i'm going for you know i like to have options the other one's very thin gold round these are a little thicker on the actual frames but still very thin on the end um I'm digging them. I like them. Um, Thanks, man. I went to LensCrafters and – because, like, I I bought these Ray-Ban frames from a Spanish website because they were so much cheaper and imported them uh, because the frames were regular, like – 300 and something Canadian or whatever. And then I would have had to get lenses in them as well. Um This is such a boring story. Why am I even telling this? It's about glasses. Who cares? Um But then I imported them and then I went and got some lenses in them because Nevis has her benefits kicked in. So I was mooching off of those. So glasses are expensive. I always forget. Oh yeah. I'm like, these are like $400 just for the lenses. And luckily that's what the insurance covered. But
1: um well, the more you wear them though, as well, like you really don't, notice that they're even on your person like I, I i'm one of those people where i mean
0: well you've always been a glasses guy right yeah. like you don't really go contacts right? i
1: can't i just can't do it i can't stick something in my eye i just I, which i have no i have a doing. phobia with that where like taking it out and, and putting it in like i'm gonna be the idiot that scratches my my eye it's 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 one of like my cornea it's pretty hard
0: to scratch i know eye, but if
1: there's fine. a will there's a way um
0: i get it there's a lot of people who don't like eye stuff and yeah. I, I totally get that but i i've done it for so long like i was an idiot as a kid too where i used to sleep with my contacts in and stuff, see that would be another horrible. thing where like i'm also very horrible lazy. for you yeah um and then my aunt made me get the contacts where you would just put in once a month and you'd wear them for a month and then take them out so that you could sleep with them. Um, But then eventually I got dailies and I I became a glasses guy. Like I just, it's just easier. I don't know. Yeah, But they become a part of your,
1: your body. Like to the point where like, I mean, I'm absent minded to begin with, but like there are times where it's like, I'll go for a shower and I'll get in the shower and I'll still have my glasses. Oh really?
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm pretty good about um, about taking them off or things like that. But I'm really like yeah, – I don't know what your prescription is, but I can't see shit without my glasses. I'm nearsighted,
1: like, so I have a hard time seeing – like I have to wear these when I'm driving because it's on yes, my license. Yes, I'm, I'm, near,
0: I'm nearsighted yeah. as well. So like um, – But I just wear them in it, general. It's always like the a, opposite, right? Yeah. Like I can – yeah, I can see – now even then, like I can't read the stuff that's on this TIFF screen from here, and my monitor's not that far away. But Matt, we're just um, gonna have to accept that our vision is crap, and uh, we're getting old. So pick those up. Pretty pumped about some new specs. Um, I went to St. Catherine's on the weekend, Eric, to visit a friend. Uh, one of Nevis's best friends' boyfriend lives in St. Catherine's, so we went to go visit them um, and hit up. Some, we went to some wineries, we went to some breweries, we went to uh some restaurants and bars and oh, got some pizza. A so bougie.
1: bougie, yeah, went to uh, a
0: really cool uh cocktail bar called Pharmacy. Um, and I got a delicious uh, you know, whiskey cocktail that came in a little like soup bowl and and had a uh, a flaming star anise on it did you sing Uh, some
1: paris hilton
0: no uh then i got a cocktail called the anything where they just dump a bunch of booze and mix it with juice and put it in whatever cup is lying around and give it to you so that was pretty dope and then we got some wicked pizza it was called like oddball or something and uh oddball niagara and um really cool pizza where it was like all the pizza we got was like unique to the point of like toppings i would have never expected to be on a pizza and so one of them uh was the naduja or niduja i just called it the douche um where it was like spicy do the uh, a little bit it had a little spicy like uh some salami or ham um uh tomato sauce and it had like pistachios on it and i was like weird now were they crunchy or or were they
1: a little bit like um sort of soggy or once like
0: Uh, no i thought they were still pretty crunchy like um i'm gonna try to find oddball pizzeria what the hell did i do i don't want to take a screenshot oh god i accidentally took a screenshot (laughs) (laughs) um i'm gonna try to find these pizzas is it oddball is that what it's called odd bird odd bird i fucked it up everyone it's called odd bird um well Matt we're going to have to give you a... the booby prize which is also a bird. No, Odd Bird Pizza. No, it wasn't called Odd Bird. What was it called? Um Odd Bird, Odd Bar, Odd Bar, I think. Yes, Odd Bar. Odd Bar. Got it. Got it everyone. We made it. Nailed it. <laughs> did it. What a journey. We did it. <laughs> what we a journey. Did it. We did it. So yeah, like their pizzas were all kind of like unique. Like they had one called the Haggard which is kind of like a uh A Big Mac pizza where it had garlic oil, mozzarella, American cheese, ground beef, haggard sauce, which is like a Big Mac sauce, shallots, pickles, lettuce, sesame. We didn't get that because I wasn't in the mood for that. Um, Got the douche, which was tomato sauce, mozzarella, naduja, pistachio, and honey on it. It was fantastic.
1: How did the the honey uh, sit with that? I'm curious. It was was delicious.
0: Uh, Hot honey on a pizza is delicious. Like a spicy honey where you get the sweet and spicy. Like one of my favorite pizzas in Toronto – uh, is from Super Point and it's just a hot Soprasada uh, pizza, uh, New York style. So it's like thin and really big. Um, and it got some hot honey on there. Super simple, but oh God, it's so, it is so good. And then we got a just effing peachy, which is garlic mozzarella peaches copa goat cheese salsa verde and vincota so these and, are
1: individual pizzas right no they were like big pizzas. oh so, like, so you were uh, getting like like, sharing, like sections like, of them with different
0: yeah okay. cut into slices yeah. and then um so this one had peaches on it so i think it was kind of a spin on a hawaiian pizza right which would normally have like ham and and pineapple but what this are your, had what, like
1: what's your stance on that though? it
0: was delicious yeah. dude like if you like peaches like and this was a white pizza so you could have had this eric like um, cause tomato sauce and, and, uh, I know Hawaiian pizza does have tomato sauce usually, but Peaches and tomato sauce doesn't really make sense to me, but like, so this was a white pizza that you could have had and um, maybe the salsa verde you couldn't cause it's tomatoes, Sounds but, a little racist, um, white pizza. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's delicious. It was, it was really, really good, but they have like a a pickle Richard pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, garlic, dill, pickles, ranch, mozzarella, like a grease pizza, grease, li- uh, grease, lightning as they called it. Um, uh and speaking of pickle richard uh i did finish uh the season of yeah uh, of rick and morty too so season five finale was uh sunday night and uh i binged like the last four episodes because i was kind of behind and uh i liked what they did this uh, anyways that was my st catherine's trip it was cool good pizza good food good friends uh we saw niagara falls too because like you know when you like I've seen it a, a bunch of times, but we were like near there because we were in St. Catharines and I was like, I haven't looked at the falls in a couple of years. And it's always one of those things where you live so close you kind of take it for granted. And um and it's very touristy and I you know, a lot of people and I you know, I don't necessarily love it in Niagara Falls. Uh, feels very american because they get a lot of american tourists we talked about the ihop being there and like well it's on the border um, too right so like some of that
1: tackiness kind of crosses over yes
0: and it's a tourist town right like and a tourist area it's all hotels and tacky you know chain restaurants and things like that but we were so close that on the way back we were like let's stop and just look at the falls because you know it is kind of magical right and you forget that you you live near there and it is like an incredible wonder like this giant waterfall that you live right close to a two-hour drive and you you usually never go there because you want to avoid the touristy nature of it so we went we parked for 10 bucks and just walked down to the falls i got some starbucks and like um get any budge. No, we didn't get anything like that. We were going to go to, we almost ironically went to Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville, but, um, like after my Starbucks, um, we were like, ah, Neva said to drive home. And we were like, if we were here longer, I would have absolutely gone to Margaritaville just as a joke. Cause every time I'm in Niagara Falls, I go to Margaritaville cause I think it's hilarious. Um, but looked at the falls. It was gorgeous. And, um, very hot that day a lot of people a lot of people not wearing their masks either like in like a large group of and you can't control who's vaccinated who's not i mean if you're coming in from the u.s they're probably vaccinated or or negative uh to go over the border but um just i'm was shocked at how many people were it wasn't as busy as it like normally is but there was still a ton of people and i feel more so than
1: you'd be comfortable with you, you need Unmasked. to
0: wear yeah. it. yeah i wore my mask like walking down by the falls when there was a ton of people and only took it off to like you know take a photo quickly when there weren't people around or i would take it off if we were in a spot where there weren't that many people but you know when we were right down by the falls i was shocked at how many people uh but back to rick and morty um really liked what they did with the season finale the season itself i think was hit or miss and they they were doing what south park did recently where you know Rick and Morty always was very episodic they never really had a you know a storyline throughout a season certain things would come back up and there was a continuity there for the most part but they would kind of joke about that you know they could reset things based on how Rick played with the multiverse and and things like that and you know, things meant stuff and things would carry over, but there wasn't like an ongoing storyline. And I felt like this year they kind of had a trickling storyline and they even referenced stuff from previous seasons. And then at the final episode, they really kind of blew things up and and really kind of went into Rick's backstory. And they went into like certain things that people like theorized online of like why Rick is the way that he is or what happened to him in his, in, in his past that made him, the asshole that he is, and um and how he why he fucks with the multiverse and stuff like that. So I don't I want not don't want to spoil it for people. Maybe I'll talk to you, Eric, about it after. But like, um, they do some really interesting things with Rick and Evil Morty and 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 the the Council of Ricks or whatever. Um, in in the final episode and um set things up where I'm like I'm really intrigued to see what they do in the next season because it seems like now five seasons in and they signed on for. I think three more seasons already um, that I'm really curious to see how they're going to move forward, but it's just, it's, it's really funny. And like, you know, it carried over in the last couple episodes where Rick was mad at Morty and he's like I can replace you with anything Morty and then he spins a wheel and he lands on two crows it's <laughs> just like <laughs> and he, um and he's like I'm it's Rick and two crows now Morty he's like you're out of here it's Rick and two crows and then it's just like he trains these crows and he becomes this like samurai Uh, Jack style character with these two crows and um, that carries over into the finale and um, just really it's the perfect amount of stupid and smart humor that I love that the show deep down is really crass and really dumb but like um, has some intelligent kind of you know and that's why that you know what's his name got hired for loki and like you know and the mcu are keep picking people from rick and morty to because they're going into this multiverse kind of side of things and and that's handled i think really excellently in and yeah yeah so um i really love the finale of uh of rick and morty i i had a um a great time watching the last kind of four episodes or so now what did you prefer
1: um, uh season five of rick and morty or their cameo in space jam a new legacy uh
0: at season five but i appreciate their cameo even though it was very weird uh in a kid's movie but you know they're owned by cartoon network which is warner so um cool <laughs> um I also – I mentioned I started Succession, so I'm like seven, six, seven episodes into season one. Have you watched Succession? I've
1: watched the first season. Uh, Okay. I I think you tweeted about it. Um, Nicholas Bertel's scores. Oh, my god. Off the charts. So
0: good. And like they just use it consistently. Like it's the one piece of score that they just like, you know, he scores they know the rest they have of the good series, thing. but they like, gotta
1: put it in wherever they can.
0: No, like not many shows or movies use like the theme as like an overarching theme on the show, but whenever that theme song comes on in the after the cold open or as it starts like you hear it quietly start coming up like during an episode and you're like oh shit's about to go down right now and then they just use that opening title theme like throughout the series well, it's like it, the like, bond it... theme
1: right like they play it like yeah. the bond theme mm-hmm. especially in the early sean connery films they played it during all... the most climactic moments, Well, not right? even that like, like there are like scenes that. where he's like walking around his hotel and they play it and it's like, yeah, and it's like why are you doing like there's nothing suspenseful about this but it's like and that's kind of what score. happens they like...
0: It elevates the series and like the series is good. Don't get me wrong. Like I like the inner workings of this big media conglomerate and the and the familial kind of backstabbing and just the corporate because like, you know, we know it here in Canada with the Rogers family, right? Then you got the Trumps in the US and you have like, you know, it's probably based on the Turners and all these different, you know, big you know families that run these big media conglomerates the even disney to an extent and different things like that that it, it is really interesting and they're and all you have some for like, brian cox's uh for his love yeah daddy's love <laughs> like <laughs> he's um, going to be daddy's favorite his favorite yeah and uh, it's getting really good like uh have you gone to it,
1: the email yet no okay I don't All know right. what that is you'll no, know I'm just, when you when you're curious.
0: i got to the vote of no confidence which i thought was a fucking great episode and was wonderful um and i really liked the one person it took me a while to get um you know behind was kieran culkin like at first i was like oh my god i know this character is supposed to be obnoxious but yeah. like there was something off with you know hit. i like kieran culkin he's great in like scott scott um, pilgrim like he is yeah awesome in that movie and he's kind of done that shtick or that character kind of in other things too. And he kind of goes to 150 on this with that style of character. But uh, Jeremy Strong's great. Um, what's his name? Who plays Cousin Greg is fantastic. Uh, just the character Cousin Greg I love, <laughs> um, who was just in Zola as well. Um god what's his name i forget um but he's fantastic just that character being you know it's so perfect to be like okay we need someone who's an outsider nicholas Braun. thank you i i knew nicholas because we were talking to nicholas bertel but i'm like i can't it's nicholas b yeah (laughs) nikki b both of them um him as uh the outsider um coming in like still being you know kind of in their family, but being sort of like the one person who's just like, this what the fuck am I getting into kind of thing? And just being this innocent, uh, guy is, is fantastic. But also and still Jeremy being strong a bit of a is really good. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it's, it's fantastic. Uh, Brian Cox is obviously amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really digging it. Like I know I'm too, I'm a couple years late, but this is always what's happens is Nevis really loved it. And then season three is coming out in October. So she's like, why don't you try to catch up so we can watch season three together? And, um, we've been on a little bit of an HBO kick for, you know, we talked about white Lotus and, and mayor of East town. So like, I love their Sunday night kind of dramas that they always kind of have throughout the year lately. So, um, and I'm keeping my crave subscription for last of us next year. So I'm like, I might as well just keep at these HBO shows. I know I think the next one I really do want to do is, is Sopranos. Cause I would have loved to catch up with that before, uh, uh, the saints of many saints of newark is yeah. that what it is or, yeah um but i don't even think i i'm pr- my best bet is to not see that movie until i've watched the show right
1: or you could watch the movie and i know watch i could watch the, the show, movie and then it is watch the show
0: i know but is that the best way of doing it probably not i mean
1: at this it could point, be an interesting
0: yeah. it could be an interesting review I mean, you right you watch because the I've never...
1: godfather coda instead of watching the theatrical cut so <laughs>
0: i know uh, um so it could be an interesting review coming from the perspective of someone who's never watched the Sopranos and someone who's seen all of it. Yeah. So like that, that could be kind of fun. I'd love but, to
1: get Kyle um, to, um, review it. He with, loves the Sopranos, be- oh, right? He, yeah. Yeah. He, it's, it, I think it is his favorite show. Nice. Nice.
0: So that's kind of what I've been watching. I don't, oh, I watched, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers when we were in St. Catharines too. So, um, <laughs> Piero, Piero, who as Nevis's friend, Liz, is partner, um, we stayed at his house and um, we were just, it was late at night and we're like, let's just throw a, a stupid movie on as we're just all hanging out. And then we're going through Disney+. Plus. I was like, oh, well, let's put on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers <laughs> and then I sat through the entire thing. Gotta give me that ooze. Uh, it's a masterpiece. So um, just very, very nostalgic. Um and I tweeted out being like – because I was went on IMDb because it just had a nice film grain while we were watching it in HD on Disney+. Plus. And I was like, I want to look at uh, – I because I was going to tweet something being like, you know, we talk about regularly how a lot of movies just have this digital flatness to it that just don't look very nice. And then I'm like, I'm watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And I'm like, this movie was shot on film. <laughs> and I'm like – and I know that was like the only option then. It was just – or not really because the TV show would have been – I doubt it was shot on film. It probably was shot on video, yeah. right? Um, because um, it had to do it as cheap, or as maybe possible. it was like,
1: a, a combination of the two. Because a lot of the like the actual sort of fight fight sequences scenes were from a Japanese show, show yeah.
0: right? Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I'm like, this has a nice film grain to it, and I miss the days of like, I'm not that guy who's like, oh, you know, film is dead nothing shot on film anymore but like kids movies you do, should be shot on film though <laughs> you do miss it especially when you watch a movie like mighty Morphin power rangers you're like even this was shot on film which is is amazing and um the movie's terrible and uh um, but it's the roller skating
1: scene is amazing
0: <laughs> no i mean that in a in endearing way right. like no, it's, I, a, it's very much uh uh you know a kid's movie and and you know Uh, There's still some fun stuff in there, but it's like, and I just everything came back to me of like I was obsessed with the Power Rangers, and I'm like seeing Tommy as the White Ranger, and they recast a bunch of the Rangers, I think too, right? Yeah, which is strange because you don't
1: think about it as a kid, uh, especially when you're just like excited for it, but then when you're looking at it as an adult, and you they
0: had some of them like Kimberly, Billy, and Tommy, yeah, were were the OG ones, but then the they to be I think less racist, they they because remember in the original show like the black ranger was a black guy and the Asian the asian woman was the yellow ranger yeah. right and like stuff like that wasn't really cool and then they swapped those in the movies and recast those like uh kind of opposite sex i think they were different people yeah right?
1: and and uh, i also um, remember i know billy's in it but i remember he had a lot of problems with some of the cast members on set making fun of him um, oh really? Uh, because he was gay and and he he's yeah. he's talked about it since then and opened up about it but um yeah i that 's the one thing where it 's like as a kid you don 't really care about that kind of stuff, but like when you 're <laughs> thinking about like recasting in in films and television it 's like okay, if they had recast those characters as the show was going on you you 'd kind of get used to the new actors playing those roles. But it's like 14... I think
0: after the movie, they did take over on the show, right? But, but when they're
1: introduced in the film for the first time in those roles, it's like okay, well, you need to kind of readjust. It's it's just always fascinating when that happens, you know. It's like you think like you know, even something like with uh, you know Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs, and with Hannibal, you know, replacing her with Julianne Moore, or you know, like Maggie Gyllenhaal in in you know The Dark Knight. I mean, they they do make a kind of winky meta joke in iron man 2 when don Cheadle replaced terrence howard as Rhodes, but yeah. it is always weird when they don't address it or it's just like okay you're playing that character and it's just never brought up again
0: yeah but it's so um, 90s he... as well
1: like that's the other thing that i do love about that movie where it's like you have you know uh songs by like covers by the red hot chili peppers in like
0: certain oh yeah or, higher or, ground yeah. and stuff like that yeah um seeing zordon as just this old wrinkly dude oh yeah (laughs) because and like because he wasn't just a a face in it but like i think it's even cool having like rita repulsa and lord zed because i remember them being just such a huge part of the series and lord zed's creepy looking man like his skin is on the outside of his body and his brain's exposed he looks like a cinnabite
1: he looks like a hellraiser cinnabite yeah but um, and i also really love paul freeman as ivan ooze that guy is amazing because not only does like he's not phoning it in in that performance
0: he's giving it his all
1: but it's just amazing to think that he is the same guy that swallowed the fly in raiders of the lost ark
0: incredible yeah he's uh he's giving it his all as ivan ooze man and it's just so funny and um but it's a fun movie even if it's not shout out uh, to my boy goldar (laughs) <laughs> yeah goldar's in it for a good chunk of it i do love goldar <laughs> um, goldar is hilarious um uh yeah I, I had a blast rewatching it and um
1: and i think that the the movie is the first time where they actually got to interact with the villains because with again mentioning like the show took scenes from you know this japanese series like a lot of those sequences were from that show right like yeah they shot
0: all the the they were basically anything outside of their costumes they reshot right with the american you know cast and then all the fight sequences were you know from i think later seasons they probably started shooting like um you know newer stuff but i think for the first little while it was like this amalgamation of this different show right yeah and balkan scholar in it right yeah, Balkan scholar in it. They, there's was... <laughs> a great parachuting, like skydiving scene at the beginning, which seems ridiculous, but like you could tell that they're like, "Oh, we have a budget, so like let's do some stuff we would never be able to do in the show." I know I got and a I think lot that's to what... watch
1: this week, but I'm almost. To throw that on
0: it some it's moment. fun, man. Like it is, it is ridiculous, and like. Um... Uh, but you you can really tell like I mean the budget was fifteen million dollars but for a Power Rangers movie that's like a bazillion so yeah. um uh, I had a blast watching it Nevis and Liz fell asleep but um uh, Piero and myself stayed up and watched the whole thing until one in the morning so um mm-hmm. had a blast watching it
1: yeah it's a very goofy film but I also remember like with the show they also had like the after school special uh, segments where like. You know go where they go. The were a little caf- more preachy or? Whatever, yeah, where yeah. they go to the cafe and like remember there was one episode where a guy brings a beer and he's like, you know, talks to his two friends. He's like, "Hey, I stole this. I snuck this from my dad's fridge. Do you want to take a sip?" And they're like, "I don't know, man. And we're
0: not old enough." <laughs> and then
1: they decide they compromise and go and grab milkshakes instead.
0: Yeah, of course, it tastes um, better. <laughs> and then I did go see Shang Chi again uh, at Landmark, which I already kind of mentioned, but. Uh, kind of a bummer that, yeah, and, and I think this happened one other movie we saw a couple years back. So I think in, um, I purposely bought tickets for one of the bigger cinemas at Landmark because I'm like, oh, bigger screen. It'll be more enjoyable on a on a bigger screen. Um, not realizing that I think in 11 and 12, which are their bigger the- cinemas at Landmark, they don't mask the screen anymore. They go kind of Cineplex style and they just kind of project it. Uh, and the sound was a little off too. So I was like a little disappointed. And these are like really like anal things that, you know, I notice where most people wouldn't like, I don't think Nevis or my mom really cared. And most people in that theater wouldn't have cared at all. But um, right when it started and the trailers were coming on, I'm like, this sound mix is like the center channel with the voices is like cranked up to like fucking 15. And then all the surround sound one with like uh, the score, and stuff like that it was really really quiet so um like w- i remember which is like uh, the two times we've seen it now the audio was good in our first screening but the projection was dim in this screening projection was dim uh w- projection was bright not masked which our first screening wasn't either because we were at scotia bank um and the and the sound was off where like that bus sequence when that synthy kind of like score comes in and he's fighting everyone you could barely hear that score because it was so quiet and then the sound effects and the and the voices were so loud it didn't hinder my enjoyment of the movie i still liked it probably even more the second time around and and both nevis and my mom absolutely loved it as well it was fun to watch it with like a a crowd um even though it, you know it's half full uh with social distancing but um yeah just a bummer to the point where i'm like i hate being that guy but i was gonna like maybe like just write the 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 manager and be like listen i love your theater you even have an intro before your movies that says like all of this stuff matters like we love movies just as much as you i'm just curious of the thought process of why you don't mask those cinemas anymore and why the sound mix was uh not so great but i i haven't done that yet but now i think i just know those smaller theaters are almost better because they still mask the cinema. And I think when you're in a smaller theater, the sound mix is a little bit better because you know, it's more centralized in a smaller room. Um, So now I just know moving forward that I wouldn't probably buy a ticket for cinema 11 or 12. I would go to one of the smaller cinemas if it's available or I'd go to the IMAX theater. Cause like the IMAX is a LIMAX cinema, but I feel like maybe the expanded aspect ratio that would fill up more of the screen. And then the sound mix might've been better, even though you don't get the recliner seats. And that's kind of one reason I like going to landmark as well. So there's pros and cons and I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I don't have the energy, but, um, well, you'd seen it already as well. Yeah. So if I hadn't seen it, but even then I don't think I'm going to, I don't think it's going to be fixed. Once the movie starts, if I go out and talk to a manager, they're going to be like, I don't know what to tell you, right. <laughs> like, like at that point, like, I, I just like, uh, I don't know. I, so I think I'm better off writing. You know, I'm not a, a Kareny email of being like, "How fucking dare you!" But it's more like, "Yo." I just curious, you do it in all your other theaters. Like, is there a reason why you don't do it in the big theater anymore? Is it just did like the motor break and you guys just didn't fix it? Or like, is it just, you can't do it with that screen anymore? And like, a part of me just wishes that, you know, if we were to get another, you know, gig in the industry on top of what we're doing here, like quality control, uh, I think would be something that I would love to do for like a cinema chain or something like that, or like help them cinematic quality know.
1: control. The CCCs. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like where you go around to different theaters and test their projectors and their sound and like, and, and make sure that everyone's using proper masking and stuff like that. And like use that in a campaign to be like, we actually do give a shit. And here's the stuff that you might have not noticed, but why it's important and why it's a better experience than watching at home. And, and you could make, content on youtube to explain that to people and be like we have these quality people that are going out and making sure the sound's incredible and the and the picture is incredible and and i know a lot of it's like businessy shit right like at scotia bank why the the projector was so dim is they literally won't fucking change that bulb until they have to right because yeah. it costs them money to change the bulb so they go well you can, yeah. you, can s- you can still see it yeah you can you can still see it because i'm sure the bulbs are expensive so cineplex is a company who's a little bit penny pinching because they tried to sell their company that they're not going to switch that bulb until they have to or until enough people start going i think gotta pay I can't for
1: palladium okay
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. Like uh, it was, I, again, loved Shang-Chi, loved it a second time. Uh, it was so nice that, you know, there hasn't been a movie for a while where I'm like, I want to go see this right away again and enjoy it just as much the second time. So um, I'm I'm very glad I went to go see it again. It's doing really well. Um, they broke the uh, box office record. There you go. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Because we've talked about a little bit that nothing matters right now when it comes to box office. But then that meant... You know, ironically, I think it matters when it... Venom is moving up two weeks because Ta- it did so October
1: well. 1st. I think it matters or it, it benefits a, a, a major release through a recognizable franchise. I think if Shang-Chi wasn't a Marvel movie, I would be curious to see how it would perform. But I think part of the sort of the lore of that is it is – I'm not saying that it's not a bad movie. I'm just saying – I think a part of what it attracted people to go and see it that opening weekend is... Oh, it's part is, of a franchise. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. But if yeah. it wasn't, I think it wouldn't have done as well. And I think that I'm that's... I'm curious
0: about Venom now, moving up two weeks. Well, like... that's
1: the thing. Venom, like, even the decision that Paramount made to delay a bunch of their movies from Top Gun to Jackass Forever, um, it makes you think, okay, are they going to you know, regret that in retrospective, or are they going to, you know, amend some of those dates if they can? Um, or, you know, like are other studios going to look at Chung Chi and be like, okay, we feel a little bit confident with, with some of our, our bigger um, releases, because there is still that question up in the air where it's like, okay, Eternals from, as we're talking now has two weeks. Apparently Disney has two weeks to make that decision uh, whether or not it's still going to open. Uh, this uh, it's going to stay
0: because of Shang Chi, but it might well not because
1: day. because there's still that that possibility <clears throat> that theaters could close again with the numbers rising and 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 things like that. I mean, again, we've talked about this before, where you know every day is 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 a new situation to deal with. It's not going to be you know like where we are now is not going to be where we are you know
0: that's two months from now right
1: so but but in terms of looking at the bigger stuff like i think if bond stays bond yeah october venom to a lesser extent which
0: they've said they're not moving bond right I mean,
1: which is strange because you think like with the Venom thing, like like if they were to move it, maybe it wouldn't necessarily be because of the pandemic or the box office pertaining to the pandemic, but Sony having two big releases coming a week after each other and then kind of competing for for screens who, and what? time.
0: Venom and what and Bond
1: in the, in the, no, the U- universe oh right bond is now universal sorry i keep thinking yeah, that it's yeah. still sony
0: because bond is always weird because it goes to different people right, right? So yeah universe it's universal now yes yeah, so- well universal and annapurna right yes
1: yeah so like there is still that competition of these two giant movies playing back to back in, in in those weekends, where like in the before times, that'd be fine, I guess. But even then, you would kind of still want to spread things Couple out. A weeks usually, bit. yeah, yeah.
0: Depending on your movie, if like because Venom and the crowd, I guess the crowd for Venom and Bond are similar but different. Like I think, well, Bond, Bond I think is gonna more, get more.
1: But... Well, Bond is gonna get more baby boomers and older generations Yeah, that's what I mean. See like, it, where Venom, yeah. like, is going to get, um, you know, comic book fans, even though mm-hmm. a lot of people do hate that first movie and and rightfully so um so we'll see how it goes but yeah i mean shang chi making you know 90 million dollars in the first four days especially even considering like it is the labor day weekend and you know kids are going back to school uh but it will be interesting to see how it does in the next week or so as uh, as well when it comes What's to the drop offs.
0: off but like yeah i i think you know it's not available digitally you have to go to a cinema to see it so i think this was you know i mean unfortunately when he said it, it's a an experiment um i don't necessarily agree with that but it is an interesting thing to keep an eye on because it is you know disney their last couple big movies they had on premiere access right so without that i want to see what the drop-off is next week um you know if it holds steady uh you know i think it's still super like a 70 million dollar opening for the three days and 90 for four days for that movie even outside of covid i think would have been impressive because they always said like you know if it did ant-man numbers which was what in the 50 to 60 million dollar range for opening weekend yeah Um, I think they would have been happy with it. So I feel like if we weren't in COVID, this had a chance of doing a hundred million dollar opening weekend or more, right? Like, like Black Panther numbers even, um, uh, which could have been like, which I think is very, very promising if it could do 70 to 90 in the middle of COVID when no other movies are really getting even, you know, necessarily close to that um i think is is really impressive but yeah it'll be really interesting man and i i kept like a lot of people doubted it and i remember you know thursday night or wednesday night going like every fucking show in durham is sold out like you know like they probably could have had it in even more theaters and 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 it still would have sold out so um i think yeah depending on your area like people are you know and it was funny what was i watching the other day too no on succession they talked about because they have a media division And there's just a quick line of being like, when VHS came out, they thought that would kill theaters, right? Because people could just easily watch that at home, right? Like no one would want to go to the movies because they can watch it at home because they can get stuff on VHS. So like we've had this happen over and over again with different things of killing the theatrical experience and it's always survived and people have shown – they do want to go to the movies if you give them that option or if it is the only option, or even if they know it'll be on Disney plus in 45 days or two weeks or, or whatever, like people will go. Um, it's just changing a little bit. And, movie. It uh, just did I change rep cinemas because
1: a lot of the, totally. the way that, that movies used to be watched before the invention. Of You'd the have HHS, to go to a rep cinema. You, to see. Yeah. Stuff. Because yeah. it would be like a, a roadshow presentation of a movie that, you know, uh, it, unless, you know, it was playing on television and, and sometimes you had to like, because Turner Classic Movies, for example, wasn't always around. So, you know, you, you kind of had to wait for something to, to play on, on television otherwise. But yeah, for the most part, like VHS kind of sort of changed. Oh, sure. It's still going to change
0: things and it's going to change cinemas how this 45 day window or, you know, day and date or whatever we're doing. But, um, but it's interesting how it even is,
1: streaming is still kind of aligning with uh, physical media because it was, I mean, you're seeing with, you know, like, criterion making deals with amazon and netflix to release their stuff it was just announced or confirmed uh today that uh on the rocks the Sophia coppola movie is getting a blu-ray release uh through Lionsgate. the you know even though yes oh, so
0: apple partnered with them yeah yeah A24, yeah because yeah. I, I mean a24's
1: apple. movies do come out through Lionsgate on on uh blu-ray so they had
0: a pre existing relationship but then they just worked with apple and making sure that there was a physical yeah even if
1: it's a year later you know uh so like something yeah like the joel cohen you know macbeth movie will probably end up showing up on blu-ray at some point as well so again which that's just fascinating and on to itself
0: yeah but it's super great news um i'm again yeah i think bond and then eternals i think eternal stays and i think shang chi doing so well um I think a lot of these I, yeah it was interesting that Paramount pulled the plug on on this year without seeing but maybe they don't have as much faith in you know Top Gun as a franchise or even Jackass and I think you know Jackass would have cost them nothing anyway so like I, you could even put that movie on VOD and you'd probably be or they would okay, sell it off but, to a streamer right like they've yeah. been doing that as well or you
1: know premiere it on their streaming service you know on, 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 on Paramount, Paramount Plus, Plus. yeah
0: yeah um but i hope this is a good sign and you know again it's so hard to tell how everything are, is going right it seems like we're at a point where we're not going to shut down again no matter what the cases get to but that might cause but it still doesn't deter people, people from maybe yeah. wanting to stay
1: home if the numbers are going up again because that's what that's what is happening now where you know i mean people are not going to the theater but like you know next week a month from now things change it's so infrequent in terms of what you know case by case day by day so you know i can understand some studios being reluctant to release a hundred million, two million dollar movie and hoping that it's going to make you know at least half Shang-Chi of that numbers, profit yeah. you know back and and yeah shang chi probably would have made a 100 million dollars and um you know would have had repeat business i think as well from a lot of people if you know but i think it also did well because it is a marvel movie because if you had you know a, a marvel movie that's only playing in theaters but if you you know you look at the suicide squad not doing as well but that was available you know uh on hbo max in the us so that kind of takes a chunk of its revenue off the table But again, if Shang-Chi wasn't a Marvel movie, I wonder how it would have done if it was just kind of like if it was just a Kung Fu movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Without the branding of the MCU, it's like,
0: no, I agree. I mean, I mean, yes, I agree. Like, and, and, you know, I think, you know, the MCU is a huge selling point, and, you know, Disney has done a good job at marketing that. and, And, you know, and even with these brand new characters that people don't know much about. I think that makes it even more intriguing to certain people who are fans and even, you know, others. But yeah, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. But um, I hope things stick to this year because I would very much like to see a lot of these movies. It's a bummer that Paramount punted everything, but it is what it is. Uh, did you watch anything else that you wanted to talk about? I did. Or I'll or go or through to... uh, I'll go through them quickly. I hear um, the bathroom.
1: Keep going. So I watched a... Uh, murder mystery set in australia uh starring eric banna called the dry um which is a well-made if not completely uh engaging or remarkable um neo-noir and and part western uh where you have uh, eric banna's city cop returning to his hometown to reluctantly investigate a what Seems to be a murder suicide um, of a childhood friend, and kind of uncovering uh, certain aspects that don't necessarily uh, align with uh, the profile and the report that was created. And sort of uh, Banna's character uh, investigating it. It's called the Dry, and it's it's okay. It's it's fine for what it is. I think if you are looking for something in the vein of mayor of East town, or just something in that kind of, you know, intrigue esque kind of quality. Um, you'll probably get a kick out of it. Um, I watched, uh, a rewatched, um, game six, uh, with Michael Keaton, who just turned 70. Uh, it's kind of a interesting, uh, Prelude to Birdman in a weird way, where Michael Keaton plays a New York playwright in the uh, late 1980s, uh, 1986 specifically, and he's a Boston Red Sox fan. And it's sort of uh, as game six is happening, he's trying to put together this play that he's put everything, you know, invested everything. You watched in. Fever Pitch? Uh, no, no, I'm watch? talking about game six with Michael Keaton. <laughs> um, and so he's obsessed with. You know, uh, the Boston Red Sox uh, winning the World Series, you know, against the the New York Mets. And he's also kind of nervous about uh, previews for his new show uh, doing well, and he's kind of betting on if the red Sox win his show will be critically and commercially successful to the point where everything kind of hinges on this like one uh critic um who he begins kind of stalking played by robert downey jr and this is around this was made around 2005 but again it has kind of like is this
0: right at the beginning of his comeback or
1: yeah for both of them really like it like right, i was yeah. mentioning um while you were grabbing a drink that um <laughs> this very much feels almost like a proto Birdman man uh, in a lot of ways where you have like this burnt out playwright. He's not, he's not playing an actor in this case, but a playwright who's like literally put, everything into this one play and like the psychosis of the characters slowly unfolding and unraveling as as the film uh goes on. It's it's written um by uh Don DeLillo who uh is a very kind of popular uh avant garde writer um who wrote books like uh, Underworld and White Noise, which actually Noah Baumbach is adapting right now. Um, It's very subversive, but also uh, a lot of fun. And um, I think it is one of Michael Keaton's best performances. And it's one of those kind of underseen and undervalued movies. So I would highly recommend giving that a shot. If you're just looking for like a kind of a fun character study, a New York movie, um, if you're a sports fan, you'll probably appreciate and also just completely sympathize with you know a team always losing and wanting them to win uh it's yeah it's just one of those it's just one of those movies so um the dry is solid uh game six is really really good and under under underappreciated then i watched a south african uh, drama through IFC called uh, mafia which uh, takes place in 1981 and it's about a young boy who is conscripted to go into the army uh, white soldiers specifically during the apartheid and you know his budding sexualities he discovers that he's gay but also trying to hide that because it's not tolerated within the military and a lot of people have compared it to um, Bo Trevi and and you know like it has a little bit of that but it's so beautifully shot and sometimes very disturbing and internalized um it it, again it's one of those little under the radar films that was released earlier this year that i think uh it has some of the best cinematography uh of uh 2021 it's it it looks like it came from 1981 like it looks like it was unearthed and it's archival in a weird way but it's it's a brand new movie or at least was um, it played the festival circuit in 2019. Um, right? but yeah, it's a really well done film that kind of looks at sort of, you know, a very dark time in South African, uh, politics and culture in general. So, uh, of those three movies I, I would recommend, uh, Mophie and, uh, game six.
0: Cool. Yeah. Nice, man. Um, trailers uh we're on a little bit of a, a blackout on, on trailers because a couple of the things we mentioned there's a trailer for the guilty with jake gyllenhaal which is the netflix anton fuqua movie which is playing tiff haven't watched that uh belfast i did not watch the trailer i don't know about you eric but uh
1: yes i did um, which i thought was fun. Oh, okay i yeah. i
0: yeah.
1: yeah it's kind of what you would expect a coming of age black and white drama directed by sir kenneth branagh uh, to be like uh, the good news is it, it, it looks more coherent than uh, Artemis Fowl which
0: sure is plus. <laughs> you keep bringing that up yeah I can't I, I'm not um, going
1: to stop like yeah. it's one of those things where I, I look at a filmmaker like Sir Kenneth Brown I, I like the guy he's a nice nice enough guy but if a woman were to or a person of color were to have a failure like Artemis Fowl they'd be, they would be done they'd be in director jail where for a while. this yeah. guy gets to go off and make a huge Disney movie, which again, you know, has been delayed for obvious reasons due to problematic cast members. Um, but like it's just it's amazing the opportunities someone like him gets Can time and time again. again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, um, you know, pure cinema with Red Notice and Moonfall, the trailers dropped. So uh, (laughs) uh, Roland Emmerich's Moonfall, which Nevis, uh, my fiance, is very, very excited for. Um, Looks ridiculous. Um, You know, I'm down. Sure. Um, And then Red Notice, which just looks like a Fast and Furious movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, uh, well, all three of them the have been in Fast and Furious movies. That's so, what I mean. So. so it just looks like when you have fast cars, the three of them, like I like Gal Gadot kind of hamming it up as like sort of this villainy sort of character. But then, you know, Ryan Reynolds is doing his shtick. The rock is the We're rock. So like, um you know, it looks like you know fancy cars, fancy outfits. You know, it, with a, a budget heist, of probably over a like, hundred
1: million dollars.
0: Yeah, and and like you know, it it very much looks like they're all playing their characters from the Fast and the Furious movies. In in and you know, even Ryan Reynolds is in. Yeah, like you said, is in Hobbs, Hobbs and, and Shaw. Shaw. So, um, yeah, it doesn't do much for me, but I mean, you know, we'll review it when it pops on on Netflix. But we'll give um, you plenty you of g- notice. yeah uh you can really tell that you know netflix still very much trying to get into that blockbuster game of like franchise big big franchise movies and they're trying so hard and um you know power to them
1: uh well knives out will be i think the ultimate test for them if they can really sort of make something of a franchise it's already established
0: right yeah yeah like even that like I, i would put you know that not on the like super blockbuster level of a franchise i guess like it was it was popular enough and you you do want you know they're paying an absolute ridiculous amount of money for it so you hope that it's going to be successful for them but this movie does look polished it looks expensive it does look like something that you would have gotten from one of the major studios as a blockbuster in, in, in cinemas. So, you know, Netflix has the money for it. and But there's and just something that not... doesn't
1: translate, though. Like, it's weird yeah. that like, the old guard and even to a lesser extent, because they didn't probably spend as much money. But, like, you look at the Fear Street trilogy, which is trying to do something really ambitious with horror and, and you know, spread it out over, you know, three consecutive weekends. It just, it, it, there's something about Netflix where it's like, okay, like. I'd rather them focus on, you know, still do, you know, the, the one-offs of like, you know, action movies and things like that. And, and, you know, heaven forbid, make another six underground or what have you. But, like oh, almost just kind of focus on director draws. Ca- this is
0: what this kind of reminds me of. Right. But Six I'm
1: sure it'll be a little less obnoxious. Ryan Reynolds, right? <laughs> I'll probably end up watching Six Underground before this
0: because I haven't seen it yet. So oh, that would be too much in one short period of time. He <laughs> OD'd on Ryan um, Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then there were new trailers for No Time to Die and Malignant, um, which I haven't watched I either because I'm just we're we're close enough to those movies that I'm like, I don't need to see any more uh from them um eric did we miss any news over the last couple weeks i've been so focused on like tiff and different things like that like we talked about the shang chi box office so um yeah i mean i'll just mention something
1: quickly um uh, sadly uh two really wonderful uh actors passed away um one of which uh was you know life was cut short and the other one, you know, had a really wonderful long career. Um, Jean-Paul Belmondo from, you know, a ton of French New Wave movies, uh, including Jean-Luc Godard and Jean-Pierre Melville films. Uh, Always, always one of those guys that like, I mean, he was in the, probably some of the best uh, Jean Luc Godard movies when Jean Luc Godard wasn't just a spiteful asshole uh sure. <laughs> with, with Breathless and uh Pierre Lafaux. Um but I've seen those. Yeah, and, and and again like a very charming personality who had a big kind of goofy smile but was weirdly warm and never afraid to do his own stunts and a lot of fun. And then really um unfortunate was uh the passing of Michael K. Williams, uh, who, yeah. you know, for a lot of people uh, was a, a standout and probably, you know, out of half of a dozen characters on HBO's The Wire, he's probably the best as Omar. Um, but even before that, you know, <laughs> a backup dancer in music videos. And then anytime he would appear in, you know, a film, usually in smaller roles, whether it be, you know, The Road or Gone Baby Gone um or even stuff that's not that great or uh, you know as what would be considered like high class cinema like you know purge anarchy or or uh, you know even assassins creed he always added something to you know the films that he was in and he was kind of I absolutely agree. He yeah. was kind of really riding on this new high because I mean I didn't watch a lot of it or all of it but the episodes that i saw with him in uh in lovecraft uh country he was fantastic especially because he's you know not what you would expect as uh an estranged father to jonathan major's character um and and again the movie i think a lot about with him um is the road where he plays a thief that vigo mortensen and cody smith mcphee come across in one scene and You think he has the upper hand in a moment, but then he also feels the wrath of and the cruelty of Viggo Mortensen kind of being put in the corner. And then how this thief is able to draw such sympathy and how after he's gone, you're still thinking about that character and that performance. And he's just one of those actors that, like, again... You always him, memorable always, whenever yeah he's, and you want and him stuff, to be yeah. in more and when he's gone you continue to think about him and and again it's yeah. just you know way too young tragic death and a tragic loss for um you know the, the film and television community because again always good and always um just enjoyable to watch
0: yeah i totally agree um really really unfortunate um so thank you for bringing that up um on the news front, a big piece yesterday is uh Phoebe Waller Bridge exited the Mr. and Mrs. Smith Amazon series over creative differences with Donald Glover. Um, bit of a bummer there. I know people are excited for them to reteam after I forget that they were in solo together. <laughs> yep. Um I mean, and technically then, uh, a
1: romantic relationship on that show. Or that Yeah.
0: <laughs> also, yeah. So um uh a bummer but you know shit happens if they had different visions for the show and you know they were both co-creating it together right so they must have just had different opinions on how it should go and ultimately either one of them had to back off and it ended up being her so um they'll have to recast her role and then it looks like donald glover will take more of a i guess a lead on it
1: yeah creative stance but then that kind of makes you wonder that's like the The idea of what they were going for was having these two perspectives on Mr. And yeah. Mrs. Smith. So if they bring somebody else in, who's just hired to be, you know, a co Maybe they'll bring,
0: yeah, maybe they'll find someone who can also step into that kind of collaborative role, but right. I'm not sure. I have no idea. Uh, it's always a bummer when that stuff happens, especially when you have two super talented kind of, people like that but well you know um, it's
1: not going well when it's creative differences because usually that means that there's just there's just not necessarily clashing even though there can be arguments and and yeah. heated debate on where the production is going but it just got, kind of goes to show you that not everything kind of meshes together even if you know people have the best intentions
0: yeah you might not be like you know sometimes it can be you know not so great but sometimes it's just like listen we obviously have very different opinions on how this shit goes. It's cool. If you're fine with me walking away, I'll let you guys do your thing. Right. It's better to do that earlier
1: than like going into the production and filming and, and feeling like, you know, it's, it's not working then, or like kind of trying to make something of it. Like if you cut ties earlier, it's, it's a little bit cleaner, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Park Seo June from Parasite is going to supposedly be in uh, supposedly be in the Marvels, which is cool. Right. Uh shout out to him. Love that. Uh he was in a small role in Parasite. He was the friend of the family, right? Yeah, who um, went uh, yeah.
1: who who went on vacation.
0: Yes, who or gave them that yeah. uh, gave them the rock, right? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Um love that. Um I'm trying Will to Will he give one of the Marvels some... a rock? We'll have to wait and find <clears> out. Love that. Love that. Um, Trying to go through and see what else. Sorry, everyone. We, this was mostly our TIFF episode. So I haven't really been up on the, uh... Oh, there's rumors that the Russo bros uh, were going to do another Marvel movie, but um, they backed out after the black widow lawsuit from Scarlett Johansson. So that's super interesting. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised that, um, you know, Marvel and Disney were trying to get them for, you know, another big Avengers, prob- probably the next Avengers movie, I would assume, probably Secret Wars or something like that with the way that the multiverse is stuff. And they've always talked about that. If they were going to come back for a Marvel movie, it probably would be Secret Wars. um But now it looks like they might have backed out because of. I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually sign on again and this is more of a leverage kind of thing. But, it's waiting for the dust to um, settle,
1: maybe a little yeah. bit as well. But I mean until then they'll have extraction two to work on, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cherry two. <laughs> oh no. Um Yeah. So I, I I don't know exactly what's happening there, but um or why it was disrupted, but um we'll have to uh, kind of see. I, I really do ultimately think that they'll come back. I think after cherry kind of fumbled as well. Um, I think, you know, usually when stuff like that happens, when you try to kind of go outside of your comfort zone and do something different. And then that, when that ultimately doesn't work, you end up look at Colin Trevorrow going back to Jurassic world. And well, they're
1: and and like they that. They work well yeah. within the structure of an established franchise or TV series. That's why they worked well with, you know the mcu and they also worked well in like you know community and things like that because they're kind of part they're 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 gears to the machine and they keep things going and moving along but if you allow them to you know create their own devices uh <laughs> they're going to create cherry, and yeah. you know we saw what that was which was just total excess
0: <laughs> it was garbage yeah so yeah i guess they said they were concerned on how the movie would be released um so I think with Shang-Chi now showing like, I I really do think the Marvel movies will go back to being exclusively in theaters. Um, And I don't think you're going to really get premiere access unless they wanted something more than 45 days in cinemas or something like that. But um, you're, I think you're going to see people making, you know, they'll have to work these out in their contracts beforehand, which is the thing that they never had to think about before. Right. So um, I ultimately think that they probably will come back for, Whatever the next big crossover movie is, because they've obviously with Endgame and an Infinity War and the Captain America movies, they've shown that yeah, like they can they can do that. And you just need someone to steer the ship and and do that properly. And they're kind of the guys for that. Um, yeah, uh, we mentioned earlier that uh, Paramount punted all their the rest of their 2021 films into 2022. So Top Gun, Jackass Three what was the third one mission impossible yeah right all got punted into next year uh which is kind of a bummer weirdly the one that i am bummed about the most is jackass three yeah <laughs> like, same. um i i just kind of that was you know the it would have been like a nice stupid thing to see in october that would have just been like a nice palate cleanser after the festival and stuff too um that would have been uh a lot of fun But uh, unfortunately, I I don't know, like we've talked about, like you never know, Paramount could turn around and either sell one to a streamer or maybe they, uh, you know, go actually, we changed our mind, we are going to release Jackass in October, November, like I could see something like that happening if, but I think it really depends, Shang-Chi was a good start, if we see Venom and Bond perform pretty well. Um, I think you might see some people try to fill in those spots in the, in the last little bit of the the year, but we shall see. Um, I think that's it, man. Like, I don't know if, uh, there was anything else we really missed. It hasn't been a ton of news lately. I feel.
1: No, I, I think it's partly because it is like, you know, the, the changing of the season and we're, we're getting into, you know, the fall festivals and, um, you know, awards, conversations and things like that where that is is sort of the main focus where there hasn't been a whole lot of of news otherwise and and you know again because things are either shutting down or more precautions are being taken um i mean like you're even hurt the speaking of like top gun like you know miles teller being a complete jerk and and not but then
0: that was supposedly like debunked right Right. like that was a complete fabrication where was it or that's what i because if you look because i heard the paul um, dano thing was with paul
1: schrader with uh paul schrader being kicked out of a virtual poker game with with, with paul dano for being too politically uh correct
0: like um i heard that if you go to miles teller's twitter um he posted a screenshot from uh the offer and said great week of shooting enjoy the weekend at the very end of the week and then there was another article coming out saying that the set was not shut down and that everyone was really pissed that you know this came out that he maybe maybe he didn't get vaccinated i don't know but he i I think that he probably still needs to get covid tested uh constantly to do it and it didn't shut down production or anything so maybe the one piece of true thing was that he might refuse to get vaccinated like no one came out and said that No, he is vaccinated, Maybe the rest was embellished um, or yeah. Like it, it seems like, you know, everyone, the the article I read said that that was completely bullshit and that they didn't shut down because he got COVID and like, he seems to have, you know, shot that entire week. I think he posted another photo uh, of him at the Notre Dame football game. Uh, so if he has COVID, I would hope he wouldn't go to a packed (laughs) football stadium, but, um, so yeah, I don't know. Like there's weird shit like that, right. That, um, I wonder where this shit comes from or these rumors come from, or maybe he's refuses to get vaccinated and someone just wanted to kind of get that out there. So they make up a story about him shutting down the set. I have no idea, but, um, I mean, if he doesn't want to get vaccinated, whatever, I don't agree with it. Um but yeah that's weird um I, I did see that as well and then you said the paul dano thing like that wasn't true or what yeah
1: or apparently that was also uh embellished but i mean it doesn't necessarily surprise me if paul schrader has sort of talking out of his ass yes
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah um the accountant too is coming out <laughs> great do you remember anything about that movie yeah i remember it weirdly
1: being sort of uh off base with how it portrayed autism
0: yeah and and but it was weirdly like not popular but but it did
1: well like box office wise the first weekend or so um it it did better than expected i think that's why it's getting a sequel but it almost feels like a sequel like that should have happened like maybe two years after the film was released
0: I feel like people are going to forget that it even who uh,
1: care. Like nobody cares, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But Ben Affleck's um,
1: looking for that post uh, Batman uh, franchise, I guess. Sure.
0: All right, guys, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of the untitled movie podcast. Eric and I are prepping for the 2021 Toronto international film festival. You can start getting our coverage tomorrow, September the 8th. If you're listening to this or watching this right away, uh, we'll have reviews for Memoria or Memoria um we'll have a review for t10 um and you can get all of that stuff on youtube on the untitled uh youtube channel as well as on podcast services at, at search for the untitled movie reviews all of our coverage will be there we have reviews out for you know shang chi and a bunch of other movies that have come out over the last couple of weeks but our focus will be on uh, the Toronto International Film Festival for the next couple of weeks. So uh, we'll have probably two to three reviews daily, maybe even more, maybe less, depending on the day when we have to kind of, it, it'll be interesting and, and be patient with, and you'll still get a ton of stuff over the next couple of weeks. But um, if we have to go into the city, it's going to make it harder to record because now we have the video version that we want to do. So we kind of have to be at home to record that um where we used to do like the on the street record the things which are fun as well and maybe street in the future meet recording? i have a feeling in the future when we um when we get back to the regular uh way of doing things we might have to figure out a way to uh to do that um but i i like what we're doing now and i like that version too so we'll find a good middle ground but um the days that we go into toronto we might have to record those reviews the next day or or whatever so but you'll get at least two to three reviews probably daily upwards of 20 plus reviews over the next two weeks or so uh, maybe even more. So uh, we're very, very excited. Um, This is our favorite time of the year. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, Please subscribe to our three shows on podcast services, untitled movie podcast, the show you're listening to untitled movie reviews and untitled movie conversations. Uh, Go follow us over on our Letterboxed HQ, which is really um, where you can find the links to everything. All of our TIFF stuff will be there. All of our video reviews to YouTube, all of our you know podcast links, everything is over on uh, Untitled Underscore Movies over on Letterboxd. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, we'd really appreciate it. Even if you don't watch the video version and you're an audio listener, it just kind of helps. Um, you never have to watch the video. You don't have to see our stupid, ugly faces if you don't want to. Um, but it really does help if you just pop over there and click subscribe. Um, but the video versions are cool. So if you are at home and you, you just want something on in the background, it's kind you want to put a, a face to the voice. Yeah. See my new glasses. I talked about, uh, you might want to go over to the video version. Um, even though that's not interesting at all, but I did spend like a good 10 minutes telling that story. So it is what it is. Um, thank you all for listening and watching as always my name is matt roerbeck you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at com, and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt roerbeck and i'm eric
1: marchin you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com sci cinema scene uh the latest episode of cinema scene uh will be available on september the 11th 2021 and it is matt and i talking about tiff so if you want to a condensed that. version of this it's only about a half an hour but you can also still see with our- commercials gorgeous faces uh that will be available uh online starting uh in the evening on september the 11th available to stream after it's broadcasted so thank you so much for doing that matt i really appreciate it
0: anytime i always have
1: fun doing it and you can uh find me on the social medias at em6211
0: until the next time
1: happy tiffmas